What's up, basketball fans? My name is Jason Martin. here with my boy Andy Cordell, and this is 808s and Fast Breaks, a weekly basketball discussion that rarely ends up being about just basketball. Ladies and gentlemen, start your engines. <laughs> Is that Lewis Hamilton I hear? <laughs> Lewis Hamilton? <laughs> Jesus. Episode 56 yes. of 808s and Fast Breaks kicking off. It's an, a lovely Monday evening. Andy's fighting a, a vicious headache, so this is going to be a, a rather quick one today. Yeah, I'm not feeling Weird. great, unfortunately. <laughs> just pop the ibuprofen, so yeah, trending I up, popped, I hope. I just popped four of those motherfuckers. <laughs> you took four? <laughs> Dude, I feel that. Sometimes when I have a headache, I'm just like, I mean, the bottle says you could take 24 of these in a day and be fine. So I'm like, should I'm I just take like, 12? No, no. Just like, I, <laughs> it was funny. When I grew up, I don't know, like, Asian mom thing, but she, when I, like, said I had a headache, I didn't really get headaches too often, but when I did, she would give me a singular ibuprofen. Just one. She's like, only one. And then as I grew older, I realized I need more than just one ibuprofen. Yeah. I mean, even the bottle tells you to take two. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I just, you know, pop it like it's Claritin, baby. We we out here, man. Pop it like it's hot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Was your family like an anti uh, pill family? Like kind of fight it off yourself? Yeah. 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 Very much so. We were the opposite, man. Take that. Take those fucking pills. Take those pills. <laughs> Dude, that's so funny. I was just talking to my uh, dad the other day about uh, the first time I ever tried to take a pill. Like, you know, a proper pill that you have to swallow with water and shit. Right. And I remember it was a, it was a mucinex. I had a cold or something. I was probably like nine or ten. And uh he uh it was like a mucinex is kind of like a bigger pill oh no dude it's fucking huge for me now it's still yeah, fucking they're huge. Not fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm still no. not good at taking pills admittedly i sh- kind of struggle right oh really when they don't okay. have that gel coating but uh, yeah. uh no and i like it was a big pill so he uh he cut it in half so that i'd be able to do it better right but little did i know he was also kind of teaching me a lesson that it's way worse if you cut it in half because then you taste the inside of the yeah, pill. Yeah, then you taste the inside. Oh, oh my dude, God. I remember I tried to do it. And I popped it in my mouth, took a big swig of water, and just started gagging immediately. <laughs> <laughs> it just tastes like fucking chemicals. You know what yeah, I mean? Dude, it's, it's just gnarly. I don't know what the people. fuck they put in that shit to make it taste that bad, but uh, you would think they could. I mean, I guess that's flavor just kids it up medicine, a little. right? But you would think they could yeah. flavor it. Like, yeah, put it in a gummy. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. why do we even have pills in 2024? We should just Everything have should gummies. just be a gummy. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I've been Ridiculous. taking the multivitamin, switched to the gummy. The adult Kirkland brand, two gummy a day. Dude, I Working love those out. gummies. They're pretty to, good. I used to eat a lot of those in a day. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us, promoting vitamins. Sponsor yeah. us. Promoting pill popping. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but we got a, like I said, a rather quick show, but kind of kind of jam-packed episode today. Yeah, lots to uh, talk about. Just this past week, we had the NBA trade deadline uh, mm-hmm. on Thursday. So now the rosters are 95% set, 
in the NBA for what we're going to see in the end of the season. Of course, we still got some buyout candidates for contending teams. I think that they're allowed to sign buyout guys up through March, beginning of March, I want to say, off the top of my head. Right. So we'll see what shakes out with that. But we are going to go through our top three trade deadline moves. Uh, We'll recap the Super Bowl a little bit here, and then we will get into our spin cycle segment. We have the Houston Rockets this week. Yep. We'll talk about them and then we will spin for our next team. Mm. Um, but let's just start off with the Super Bowl. So let's preface this. I'm a Niners fan, big Niners fan. Whole family is Niners fans. So it was a it was a tough, tough game yesterday. It was a hard game. Three Niners end up losing to the Chiefs 22-25 in overtime. And I had never seen a Super Bowl go to overtime. So that was actually really cool. Never. I'll admit. Um what was uh, before I get into my rant, man? Because I do have one, <laughs> right? Um, what was your takeaway from from the game? Just I, I know you said uh, you fell asleep there in a little bit for a little bit of yeah, it. Yeah, I fell asleep like halftime show, third quarter came in. Um, I don't know because also maybe as a viewer. I was slightly confused too in terms of like OT rules and like people were saying that that the Niners shouldn't have started with the ball which okay, I was going to so ask I, I was yeah. going to ask you do you feel the same way so the this was the first time they had these overtime rules um in the like that format where both teams right. get the ball, even if a touchdown is scored. Traditionally, if the first team scores a touchdown, the game's just they, over. The game's over, yeah. Yeah. So I I watched Kyle Shanahan, the, the head coach of the 49ers, ex- explain his decision in the press conference. Right. And it made it made sense. Like he can get crucified for it. And I, I think people have explained like why it's maybe not a great decision. But his his reasoning was solid, I guess, in my opinion. He was saying that his defense really needed a rest because they had been on the field for a lot of the fourth quarter. Right. Um, and just had a long drive on the field at the end of the fourth quarter where the Chiefs scored the the game tying field goal. Right. So there was that going into it. But then also the fact that he believed his offense could go down, get, score a touchdown. And then even if the Chiefs responded with a touchdown, from that point, it would just be sudden death and they would have the ball and a field goal would win. Right. So from that angle, it makes sense. But it also seems like the 49ers players didn't have a great grasp of all the rules for that overtime format. Right. I saw there's two comments from two players that said they had no idea. But then there was somebody that also said that they went over it like every week. So there's That's a little the bit Chiefs. of confusion. That was the Chiefs. That was the Chiefs. The Chiefs had like meetings, two meetings a week about the rules. So good, I mean, good on them. They were prepared. Right. Um, and it's kind of inexcusable as a professional athlete, I think, to not know the rules of the game you're playing in, right? Right. Got to kind of be prepared for every situation. But I mean, overtime aside, it was a really good game. Like it was a very entertaining game. It was really close the whole way through. (sighs) The one thing that drives me nuts, and this has, I just want to preface this. This has nothing to do with like the Taylor Swift part of it. Like I have no issue with Taylor Swift being on the screen. I have no issue with the coverage of that angle of it, right? I mean, that's just, it's a TV broadcast, right? They're going to pick entertaining angles. Yeah, for the you're gonna, you got to make the money. Yeah, right. It's, 
it's a pretty obvious decision to to kind of put put Taylor Swift on the screen as much as possible. So this has nothing to do with that. What drives me nuts about the Chiefs as a 49ers fan, because I also watched the 49ers lose the Super Bowl to the Chiefs four years ago, mm-hmm. where the Niners kind of beat themselves. I am just so tired of the way like the commentators, specifically Tony Romo, just ride Patrick Mahomes' dick. Like, I I don't appreciate it. Like, because I think as if you're not a local broadcaster, you know, like when you're watching games, like if we're watching a Blazers game, I want Lamar Hurd to root for the Blazers. You know, right. that's kind of part of it. Right. Um, but on a national broadcast, it's just kind of inappropriate to uh <laughs> to very much show which team you want to win. And even when the Niners were winning by 10 points, it was 10 to nothing um, before the Chiefs hit a field goal at the end of the first half. And all he could say was that, you know, you just know Patrick Mahomes is going to figure this out. You just know it. That's coming. He's, he's coming. Right. And like, I just, don't, I don't appreciate that like angle of it because the Niners were playing better. They played a way better first half and there was no, no coverage to that fact that they were playing well. It was just about how it was a matter of time until they lose, which is just bullshit. Like it was really rubbing me the wrong way as I was watching the game. Right. And then the fact that the chiefs get every, every call from the refs. It's ridiculous. There was a play, um, towards the end of the game in the fourth quarter where Nick Bosa just gets completely hugged and wrapped up by the lineman blocking him. Like it's the most clear holding I think I've ever seen in an NFL game (laughs) and they didn't call it. And that was when the 49ers were in the red zone. It would have been a first down on that play where they couldn't get in the, couldn't get in the end zone. So there's just shit like that where I'm like, I get it. Refs miss shit and stuff, but there's just so much kind of baked into the NFL that the NFL wanted the chiefs to win. And I get that they won it on their own merit and they deserve to win, but the coverage of it was really annoying. So I officially hate the chiefs. I hate them. It's like, it's like, it's like how the Patriots were with Tom Brady. Yeah. With Brady. I mean, that's what they're, I mean, everybody's fucking dick gobbling Mahomes right now. Like if you look at like just stats and like accolades, sure. But like, I don't want, I don't want to like assume or make statements that, Oh, he's the next goat. He's the next Tom Brady. And he probably is. Right, like, but pro- until like, proven, we, let's make the if we're gonna make like the NBA comparison, like if Tom Brady is Michael Jordan, right, right, then Patrick Mahomes is clearly the LeBron. Ron, yeah, no, right, and like I'm okay with all that. I get it. Like he's won three Super Bowls and he's like our age. Like it's impressive. It is know? very impressive. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Three, it's three Super Bowl MVPs too, right? Yeah, yeah, fucking wild. So I get it. Like I get that he's the star he's the best player in the league like maybe the best football player ever whatever if you want to be hyperbolic about it right right just from a talent standpoint but i mean the 49ers had a better record than the chiefs the 49ers were a better team than the chiefs like over the course of the regular season so i just wish they would have gotten some respect in that in that aspect so and honestly dude brock pretty fucking killed it bro yeah dude he played a great he played game. Really well. I also thought in this game too, like both defensive teams were fucking raw. Yeah, dude. It was <laughs> like, it was a really I mean? like it, it, it was and, hard and fought. It was hard fought. 
And uh, it's I think it's really rare in like NFL games to have like a defensive battle that's still entertaining. Yeah. So that was cool. That was really cool to see. I'll be honest. Like rarely do you like the game had almost like 10 punts and I was like glued to the screen. Like that doesn't happen often. Um, And obviously on one of those punts, I don't know if you were still asleep in the third quarter for this, but the punt bounced off the 49ers player foot. Oh yeah. 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 That, that was a heartbreaker. Like that's just unlucky. Just fucking unlucky, man. Game of inches. It was that and having the, the, the point after the touchdown, the one point yeah. blocked that field goal. That I don't was, know. That, I, I mean, that was that's eight points right there. Decided. And not only that, but like even in the first possession of the game, that San Fran fumble, I was just like, how fucking unlucky to start the game. You know what I mean? It was just like yeah. little things where I and was they just got like, it back too. They forced a fumble they, on yeah. the other end. They but it's like pick. I was like, like I was like I hope that like this doesn't like catch up to them. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like a couple unlucky plays, like definitely can change the turn in football, right? All it takes is just like one or two one possessions, play. one play, and then you're you're down. And uh, I don't know. I'm I'm still super happy that at least in my mind, I think the Niners gave Kansas the biggest scare. Ever, yeah, definitely. Like you know, like and it and wasn't to be honest, the Four ers should have won that game. They're literally yes, they like should. the ball bouncing off the the special teams guy's foot away from winning that game. So yeah, it's unfortunate. It is what it is, man. They'll be back with a vengeance next year. I just, dude, I want to see the Niners win a Super Bowl. Like I've been, I've been rooting for them since I was a kid, and they haven't won a Super Bowl since nineteen ninety five. Like I wasn't even alive. So right, I just want to see it. Well, I've get Purdy that I've seen contract. Them play. In three Super Bowls and lose every single one, man. It hurts. Give Purdy that contract, baby. Big Give cock Purdy. Brock. Give, yeah, I like that. <laughs> big cock Brock. Big cock. Dude. He does play with a lie. big cock. I'm not gonna lie, dude. He plays he plays pretty wild. I like dude, it. Dude, you know what's funny about Purdy too? He's like the most unassuming, like great quarterback. And when some, yeah. like his dude, face. He, he, dude, he just looks like a <laughs> he looks like he's going to uh like a history lecture. Yeah. He looks like <laughs> he's going to he's going to sell you insurance. Your, he's going to take your daughter to prom and have her back before 8:30. Like <laughs> that's what Rocky looks like, you know. He does he just looks he just looks like a nice boy. Like a nice it's, guy. I think it's because of like the hair, the way he does his hair and shit. Dude, he just looks like a little choir boy. It's just fucking goofy. But I'm but, happy for him, man. I'm happy for him, dude. I mean, it's whatever. It's still like a good I, season. Uh, yeah, and for me, it's like I just don't. I, I I'm not really like a huge fan of football, you know this, but I was definitely rooting for the Niners because I thought the story was really cool, of like where he came from and what he was able to accomplish, and it's just like I will always root for the underdog that way, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because who doesn't? Yeah. That's like the American dream, you know what I, I that, mean? Dude. Yeah, and last pick in the draft, it. dude. It's, it's like a story. It's like a my career story, you know? Yeah, last pick in the draft. Lead your team to this amazing record. Yeah. Hopefully have a Super Bowl moment, right? And right. win the Super Bowl. Yeah. But just that that close, inches away. Yeah. So it is what it is. Um, I know you mentioned you fell asleep for the halftime show, but I know you probably saw some clips of uh, Oh, I've seen so many memes. <laughs> of Usher. Um uh, Usher I did watch and... the whole thing. So I just want to yeah. give like yeah, my like perception of the performance before you get into to your bit. Okay. 
uh, as we were watching it, I looked over at my parents and Alexa. And I was like, I feel like I'm in 2009 right now. Yeah. <laughs> like it was, was a list. It was a real throwback. Um, so like the nostalgia was there, but I'd say the performance didn't like a hundred percent land mm. would be my, my takeaway. Like there were moments uh, at the very beginning where like you could see he was very much, I mean, kudos, kudos to Usher, right? Like he, he didn't, he didn't do any backing track. He sang all of his vocals, but with the amount of dance moves he was trying to do, yeah, he was, was not really like, able to do his vocals at the beginning very well. He was really quiet. So it was like kind of awkward at the start. I mean, at the start, you kind of got to come out and like grab everyone's attention. And he just kind of like pulled off his little like robe or whatever and was really quiet, like popping and locking and like moonwalking all over the place. So it's just a little weird. Um, and I do think Alicia Keys was the highlight. Mm-hmm. Absolute highlight. She was Wait. the best performer on the stage, in my in my humble opinion. Yeah. Um and I know you had something to say about uh about their moment. Oh my, my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't know. I, I definitely agree with a lot of like the memes that are coming out right now. It's like the picture where like obviously it's like Usher's holding Alicia and like at the end of the day, I know that they're really good friends. Like, My Boo is one of the biggest R&B songs of all time. Ever. Ever. Yeah. They've probably been friends so, for like 25 yeah. years, right? So it's like, like, okay, it's a moment of love and respect and everything. But then like, you start seeing the memes. It's like one of the memes was... Uh, <laughs> one of the memes was, this is what uh, your girlfriend... Uh, deals with with her work boyfriend you know it's just like usher it was like, shit oh, like that dude it you was know what's really goofy. really funny about the that moment where he's because like, they were like grinding up on each other and yeah dude it was pretty stuff, fucking right? wild man i saw, um, I saw dude he he got married in vegas like the day before that performance so like i just imagine his new wife of just one like, day or two days like sitting in the crowd watching that <laughs> I'm like, i can't imagine she enjoyed it no definitely not i mean swizz wasn't mad he tweeted out you guys are missing the point this is one of the greatest collaborations blah 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 yeah, i'm, I'm like, sure there's nothing to it it's just the optics of it <laughs> i mean not the right best for no it was wife. definitely pretty crazy <laughs> that's all i gotta say and uh he brought out ludicrous ludicrous was dope brought out little john, john. Yeah. little john went crazy I was, he brought out Will I Am too. That was cool. Oh, um, hell yeah. But I, I wish he brought out Justin Bieber. I was holding that hope. I knew it wasn't going to yeah, happen. Yeah, it was wasn't going to happen. No, I'm honestly happy for JB because he's like, no, nah, I'm good. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah, he was in, I've, he was up in the stands with his right. wife. Um, right. But I will say, like, all in all, takeaway from the performance, like last year with Rihanna, I really felt like, and it's basically just because she was like levitating above the whole stadium. Like that was just so memorable, like to see her on the platform performing. Right. Right. And all like the pregnancy stuff and everything. Right. Then the next baby and all that. So like all, I feel like that was like really memorable. And like, I just feel like two years from now when you go, when you say, Oh, who, who did the halftime in that Niners Chiefs Super Bowl? Like, I'm gonna be like, I don't even remember. Like, you know, I just right. feel like it's kind of one of those with like most of them. I think that's how most Super Bowl halftimes are. I don't remember who does most of them. Right. I mean, back. the la- the last best one, in my personal opinion, was the Dre set a few years back when Dre yeah, brought one. everyone. That one was really, really good. I mean, that was a good one. There was a Kendrick in there. Like it was like, 
that's that's fucking dope and i i agree i felt like the lineup was like it was like oh it's good to see you again a -hmm. little bit right yeah it wasn't something i was like really looking forward to on the edge of my like an old friend dropping by for coffee right right because i i like usher I don't dick. I like Usher. I like Usher's music. Like yeah, the, the I, just, but I don't dick ride Usher. So I was just kind of like, it's whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, one other thing that I just wanted to say for um, the the Niners Chiefs game, I because I don't watch that much football. Like I was like extremely surprised how well Pat played out of the pocket when it was needed. Dude, that's um, kind of his game. I and like like because it's like my favorite type of quarterbacks are quarterbacks that play out of the pocket. I just think it's so sexy when they just like leave and they're just like I'm just going to do it myself. Uh and so like I was like, damn. Pat is pretty fucking nice. Yeah, I, I don't we'll want to say it. fuck that Kermit Frog bitch ass. That's how we'll end it. <laughs> fucking hate the Chiefs. The fact that, dude, if they lost that game, I don't know if you saw Travis Kelsey almost pushed his head coach over. Dude, I thought, okay, wait, wait, pause. We got, okay, before we move on, that, you don't do that. That's what I'm saying, dude. Like, people you are kind of glossing over that. Like, that. oh, he's a competitor. He's like, no, you just want to be out there. I'm like, dude, he, he, that, he assaulted his boss. Like, let's, yeah. let's look at it like normal people, you know? He assaulted yeah. his boss at, at the work, in the workplace. Yeah, in the highest like, stage. You, in the highest stage. You don't stage. do that. You just you don't, don't do fucking that. do that. And like, it's all going to be swept under the rug because they won. Right. But that was, that was a low point. I think that was just that for, was. that was a low point just for sports. That was not great. You know? So I just want to make sure we brought that up. Unacceptable, too. unacceptable behavior by Travis. Yeah. And like, you know, what's funny. Yeah. It's going to be glossed over because what you got the little fairy tale princess ending and you know, and hey, if I'm Taylor Swift, I saw that and I'm like, ooh. That's not a good That's look. a side of him I haven't seen type shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Travis. It's a travesty. Oh my God, <laughs> Travis. Hey, we you know, are uh, never, ever, ever. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, if they do break up, she's going to write a song and reference that shit for sure. <laughs> Pushing my head, coach. Uh. <laughs> Uh, roach toast i don't know well taylor's rapping now yeah whatever taylor's gonna say for these you know (laughs) 15 year old white girls to feel like they can relate to something you know what i mean happy for her good good for her all right she's a super bowl winner kudos shut up i fucking hate that they only won it because of her man come on i I know (laughs) God. All right, all right. Let's move on. Enough football. Let's, let's move, yeah, enough let's move football. to what this podcast is really about: mm. basketball, the the true American sport. <laughs> Boing ball, Boing ball, Boing baby, ball. Boing ball. Um, and we're gonna review the trade deadline. Uh-huh. Uh, what we're gonna do is just kind of comb through all the trades that happened right at the deadline last week and pick our top three collectively. Um. And just kind of like, what is the like the bigger biggest needle moving traits? Um, mm. It's kind of how I think we should do it. So, with that, I'll let you go first, man, and then we'll just kind of go back and forth, mm. and we'll do three total. Um, so, what was your what was your number one needle moving deadline move? 
Dude, this is gonna sound fucking crazy, but I genuinely think the Mavs moves to acquire Daniel Gafford is like actually fucking amazing. I, that was gonna be my first one. That was gonna be your first one. That was gonna and be my first one. And you, you watched the you watched yeah. the, the first game with him oh and PJ Washington. God, right? bro. Yeah, dude. I'm telling you, Dallas looks way fucking better. Um, and it's it's a it's just a perfect fit. Dude, it's amazing because it's not just Luca that can run that; it's Kyrie, Kyrie. too, and mm-hmm. like and Hardaway, and Hardaway, yeah, and like, dude, the biggest thing is like Luca really does like he does so well once he he like navigates the screen, and he's so good at delaying his action that it's like. It looks like he's going to shoot, and then it's just the quickest lob to yeah. both Washington or, you know, Gafford or Lively. You know, like it's just such a quick action. It's impossible to guard. And now that you have, you know, two, I would say PJ Washington and Daniel Gafford, they're both extremely athletic. So it just kind of helps Luca in that way to have like a four and a five at all times, kind of having yeah. a lob threat. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think just to add, um, the other big part of it is we, me and you both have kind of been singing Derek Lively's praises as a rookie in that so role good. over the course of the whole season. So good. Um, and just the fact that they went and got someone in that same kind of archetype who is just more experienced, right? Yeah. Um, when they do get into the playoffs, I think is, is going to really matter. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you can you can have lively come off the bench and not be, have to change the way you play at all. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's it's going to be really really important for them when we get to playoffs when there's less possessions. Rebounding matters a lot more because he's a great rebounder. Lively's a great rebounder, closing out those defensive possessions. So I just think all around great move for the Mavs. Mm-hmm. I know we kind of lump PJ Washington in there too, so I'll just yeah. mention it. Yeah, I was just going to um, say I kind of want to combine them together. They've both been killing it. Yeah, in Dallas. I think PJ Washington is like the perfect. He's the perfect guy right now. The way the league is to come off the bench or even start as like a fourth, fifth option, fourth or fifth option, and get you twelve points very efficiently. He's going to get you twelve points, five boards, and play yeah. just like you know, average deep, average to slightly above average defense. Like he'll guard his man. I don't think he's an amazing defender. But he can stay in front of his guy. He plays good help defense. I don't know why that bubble keeps popping up. <laughs> there it is. Um, but yeah, just an all-around great fit. Uh, and they got rid of some dead weight. You know, like they weren't really playing Rashawn Holmes. Grant Williams was a massive disappointment. So, hey, just a just a good move. It's unfortunate because I really thought Grant Williams could have would have had like a better. I thought he, I thought he honestly fit what Dallas wanted to do um a little bit but it just wasn't working out and well, plus he's wearing Tatum's you can't wear Tatum's in Luca's house you can't, you can't wear Tatum's at Luca's house and it's disrespectful uh, well I'll say uh, Grant, Grant Williams I'm sure we'll have some moments for the uh, the illustrious franchise that is the Charlotte Hornets Jesus Christ <laughs> lord help his career man yeah, Jesus right. I mean he'll he'll be a role player for another decade but yeah he's can't be happy with with how that went right um my biggest needle mover after that has got to be what the knicks did 
Oh God, yeah. Um, going out and getting Alec Burks and Boyan Bogdanovich from the Pistons for in, in the same vein as as the Mavs, like basically just dead weight. Like I think Quentin Grimes is is a good role player. Gonna be like a solid. He's a pretty good defender too. Yeah, solid bench guy, good defender, three yeah. and D guy for like a long time. He'll be around. But to get those, to get Burks and Bogey for and not give up a single first round pick is pretty remarkable. You know, they got rid of Fournier, who they weren't playing anyways. Malachi Flynn, who they weren't playing anyways. Yeah. Grimes, who's you know a key bench guy, and Ryan Archidiano, and two future seconds. So it's like. I don't know, man. They, they, then they get two bona fide scorers uh, from the Pistons, and I've, I I just feel good for Burks and Bogey too because they just went from like the worst team in the league to a team that's going to be contending in the and playoffs. It's, and it's not like they just joined like a quote unquote like oh like a top tier contender. It's like we moved here so we can become a top tier contender. Those exactly. are always the sexiest moves, you know. Yeah, like it'd I mean? be different if they went to the Celtics, right? Or, you know. <sighs> Even like a, a Clippers or whatever it is, right? right? Exactly. So I, I I just think that that's a really solid move, and to lump that in like with the move from a few weeks ago to get OG Ananobi, mm-hmm. who unfortunately is undergoing surgery for like a loose bone fragment in his arm Dude, or something that, like that. Doesn't that sound fucking terrible? Just having a loose bone fragment. That sounds. Gross. I mean, I think it's just like having a lump. Like he's gonna be back in three weeks. So yeah, it's it was on like his super, elbow, right? Yeah, something like that. So it, not super major but getting under under the knife nonetheless so hopefully right. he gets a has a speedy recovery because he's been amazing i know the knicks had that 10 game win streak as soon as he arrived right they kind of solidified themselves as a top three team in the east yeah and i, I, I mean, I mean they, like let's not that be they're honest. gonna finish top three but i think that yeah. they're like firmly gonna be in that conversation for the rest of the season i also um, think that those moves that with the Knicks, they're the most prepared team to take on the Celtics. I just, agree. Just by sheer size, how they play, you know, and the Bucks, I think too. The Bucks, yeah. I mean, yeah. dude, they're uh, it's it's quite crazy to see because, like, really, like the Knicks just got so much better, and mm-hmm. it's not like the superstar moves that everybody's been anticipating over the last like three years, five years, you know. It's really like here are things that can move the needle for our team, and we got certified professionals. Yeah, um, it's a good way to put it. it yeah, they got, they got nice. grown ups in the building. They do, they do, and it's time, dude. I think Julius is playing the best basketball. I know he's been out, but he's playing the best basketball of his career this year. Yeah, so and he should be back right after the All Star break. Yep. So hope, <laughs> happy hope for that, him. Hope that that's happy true, for, dude. Could you imagine? Could you? Could you imagine if the Knicks? Made the conference finals. Yeah, I mean, I was I was gonna say it. I know we were texting about it the other day, but but put I'm, that bet I'm in. Not pen, I'm not penciling them in, but I do think they they're a legitimate threat to be to win the East and be oh, in the yeah. finals. Like, oh yeah, that, for sure. That's not a far fetched thing anymore because when you start looking at the roster too, like you have you have you have your true closer in Brunson. You have a guy who can be a Plan B good closer in Randall. I would say. Um, you got great, great defense now. With Ananobi can Ananobi can guard Giannis. He can guard Embiid. Yep. He can guard Tatum. Like he could guard Trey Young on another possession. You know, like he can guard everyone. Yeah. Um, and also just really like 
some of the stuff with that, like Isaiah Hartenstein's doing, making up for the loss of Dude, Mitchell. Dude, I was going to say Hartenstein's been playing really nice for mm-hmm. Mitchell Robinson. To be honest, yeah. they got Precious Achua as a solid backup big, yep. and you just bring in like two legit scores. Like again, like when you get to playoff time now, because everything, like I think, after the trade deadline, like everything kind of flips. Like you start looking at everything. Like all right, when we're in a playoff series, what does this look like? Right. right. And now when I look at it, like their one through seven is just really good. Like everyone can score, everyone can defend. Like even Brunson, like you're not going to target Brunson, even though he's a small guard. Dude, he's so stocky. Yeah, he's, he's like a little, stocky. he's a bulldog out there. Yeah, on he's defense. a bulldog for sure. So, I'm, I'm strongly considering placing a bet that the that the Knicks win the East. Yeah, strongly considering. I, and you know what's crazy? I mean, like. Dude, Bogey could be the leading scorer on that team just to show like how he's fucking phenomenal, dude. And I, out of all the teams, it's like fuck the Knicks got him. Lucky bastards, man! Like, <laughs> you and know? I like I like that it's the Knicks too because when you look at um, Tibbs as a head coach, like, and you get guys that have like historically been a negative on defense, like Bogey, right? Like he's not right. a stalwart defender or anything, right? Right, but. When you get him with Thibodeau, you just kind of believe that he's going to put him in a position to be successful. That right. they'll either be able to hide him really well in defense right. or he'll get that buy-in, you know? Right. Because we've talked about it before. Like, defense at any level of basketball is like 80% effort. Effort, yep. Like, you obviously got to know what your job is in the scheme, but it's it's mostly effort and buy-in. And that's what Tibbs is great at getting from his guys. So... I, I'm a believer. Let's say I'm a I'm a New York Knicks believer right now. I'm a believer, I'm a believer <laughs> if I try. <laughs> you know, the, the Rockets just beat the Knicks today, which was kind of surprising. Mm, yeah, and we'll be talking about the Rockets more later. But I didn't right. that. Uh, um, give us a give us our last trade move, man. Um, what do you think moved the needle? Well, it's. It's not really moving the needle unless Embiid comes back, but Buddy Heald is fucking balling right now for the 76ers, man. He's icy, bro. He's shooting so well right now. Um, it's just unfortunate because I feel like it, it really is a great move, I think, for the grand scheme of things, like going into the future a little bit. I think a lot of that, though, is stumped by the fact that, you know, the reigning MVP, who should be two-time MVP, is now out for extended period of time. But just watching Buddy and how he kind of seamlessly fits with Maxi too, like I think that's really nice because Buddy's Buddy's been playing with Tyrese, like another kind of quick guard, um, and like he's okay moving without the ball. And I'm just thinking, wow, could you imagine Buddy healed in a pick and roll with Embiid? You know, like those are the types of plays that I think because he's such a good shooter. It's like if you JJ Redick, the role JJ Redick played, little JJ Redicky, yeah, like bro, like him and Embiid pick and roll. It's it's going to be impossible to stop if you go under the screen. He's going to shoot it. If you go over, then Embiid's rolling and it's a free bucket in the mid range. Like that's kind of where I felt like, wow, it is a needle mover. But unless Embiid's back, it's kind of it's kind of whatever. Yeah, you know, I I like it too, just because. Like he'll he'll help them win more regular season games. Like without Embiid, because Hield's Hield's going to give you fifteen to twenty, shoot forty, close to forty percent from three, yep. and you have to respect him 
as a defender. So with that respect, like I think adding adding the other offensive threat, it it lets you get a get by with a Paul Reed replacement or whoever it is for however amount of time you need while Embiid is out. And I think it's projected that Embiid would if he does come back, it would be like first round of the playoffs, second round of the playoffs, right? Sort of thing. Right. So right. Well, you know, you wait and see. And it's really a no-risk move. That's the other reason. It I wasn't like a it. risky move at all. From, from the Sixers standpoint. Like we mentioned with the Mavs, they yeah. they gave up two guys that weren't getting a lot of minutes and a few second round picks. And then on top of that, Buddy Hield's contract um expires after this season. So he'll become an un- unrestricted free agent and they can either re-sign him to a pretty fair deal, I'd imagine. Right. Um, or just let him walk. You know, like yeah, it's, let them it was walk a good experiment and, then you can, and just let them walk because they didn't give a, up much. You didn't give up much, not only that, but like the 76ers still, they are really talking about trying to attack some big free agents. I, I do know they're a team that they're hunting for it. Yeah. Like they're he could be involved in a sign and trade yeah. or whatever when that time comes in the offseason. So I do like it from that standpoint because he'll be 32 um, after the season's over. He's making, he was making. 18.5 million this year. His last contract was four four years, 94 million. I think he'll probably be looking, he's 32, right? So I imagine he'll get a three year, 45, 50 million, somewhere in that neighborhood yeah. for his next deal. So that's something most teams, especially contending teams, are going to be interested in. So I think yep. the, and it, it's a salary that fits into a lot of trades. If you Yeah, yeah. Pieces. Very tradable so. contract. What he's going to yep. sign for, I agree. I, like I wish I, you know what I wish we could have said, but he's still injured. But like, damn, I'm still kind of antsy for the Gordon Hayward thing. I no, it's a good, uh, it's a good honorable mention, honestly. Yeah, because we haven't because seen it. But I think I don't know what the timetable is for his return right now. Mm-mm. But me neither. If he's back at all, like for the end of the season playoffs, like I think if he's available in the playoffs and. He'll, he'll have a moment where he helps OKC win a couple games. Yeah. Do you? Okay. Quick question for you. Do you think right now, if we look at the starters for OKC, right? Do you insert Gordon Hayward and put him over Giddy, or do you let him run the second unit? I would let him run the second unit for Same. for two reasons. One. I think you don't want to fuck up that chemistry that the starting five has right now. They've been right. playing out of their mind. Even though right. Giddy's probably the worst in that unit, I think the way he's he's the glue guy. He he makes a lot of connecting passes and right. stuff like that that you don't want to you don't want to jeopardize the chemistry that they currently have. Right. And then the second reason is just that Gordon Hayward's a bona fide scorer if he's healthy. So Letting him, letting him be the first option in the second, the second unit, unit going against yeah. bench guys. That's just lethal. I know. I mean, could, could you imagine him, Chet, and Shea like on the floor together? Like, you know, like, like and probably. J-Dub. And then J-Dub. Like, you know, that's what's so crazy about OKC is like they gave up nothing, right? They really didn't. There's two second round picks, David Bertans, who's not getting minutes, Trey Mann, and Mitchich. Like, that's just like fucking Christ, dude. Like, how much more firepower do they have? Like, in terms of picks, like they weren't even valuable picks. Like, yeah, I agree. It's also I just looked it up too. It looks like he'll, he'll likely start practicing and playing with OKC after the All Star break. Okay, that's as of two days ago. 
So okay. we'll see. I think it'd be nice if he can get in there, you know, mm. end of February, March, and be able to actually build some chemistry with that second unit. Oh, yeah. Especially if he's going to be the guy leading it, being that first option. So and it's crazy. It's he's, he's the leading veteran on that team now. That's just so crazy. Dude, wild, right? Because Shea was the leading veteran. That makes me feel veteran. so old. Yeah, bro. It's crazy. Dude, I, I remember I remember Gordon Hayward hitting the, the game-winning shot in, in the NCAA tournament. Oh. Like 2009, oh. 2010 for Butler. Dude. And then, dude, people forget like how nice he was in Utah, bro. Gordon Hayward was I was just, was I was just looking at it, man. Utah, over, over his, over his uh, seven seasons in Utah, he averaged 15 points, four rebounds, three assists. Solid percentages. He's a career, career thirty-seven percent three-point shooter. Yeah, like I just, I just, he's just, he's just one of those guys who's solid. Yeah, you know, he's a solid fucking player. And the, if he that can 15, stay healthy, if he can stay healthy. Yeah, I mean that fifteen is, a, in my personal opinion, wasn't an accurate thing. Like Gordon Hayward dropped twenties all the time. Yeah, <laughs> well, know? that's that's like, including his rookie year. We have, he didn't yeah. get a lot of minutes. He exactly. wasn't a, a full fledged starter for for a couple seasons. So. No, he's he's the if man, you just dude. look at the three years he was a full time starter in Utah. Yeah, he is like he's right around. Yeah, I'm just doing like quick mental math. Probably like 19 points a game. Yeah, 19 points, five. five rebounds, four assists, somewhere around there. Yeah, dude. solid man. Fucking he's kind perfect of, three. In my opinion, I don't, I don't really play the same, but like in terms of impact, he's kind of like a he's just like eighty percent of Jimmy Butler if he's healthy. Dude, yeah, because he used to be a pretty damn good defender too. Mm-hmm. Um, before the injuries and stuff. Yeah, some yeah. of that's probably been zapped by injuries. Yeah, unfortunately, for sure, but. for sure. Still, shout out to Gordon Hayward, man. I'm happy for shout you, dude. dude. Looking at his Free. looking at his basketball reference page is super sad though. Sometimes, like. I just I look at that 2017-18 season, the first year in Boston. You just see that one game played, and you know what Bro. happened. It's brutal. Bro, it's brutal. I remember I watched that, and I like went into the bathroom in Starbucks, and I almost started crying. Like it was so bad. Is this that one of those injuries that was just nasty, dude? Like when you saw it, it was one of the injury. worst injuries I'd ever seen, and I was like, I wish I didn't see that. Yeah. Like you I think know? for basketball, it's like it's that one, Paul George's. Yeah. And then do you remember, I don't know if the you college were watching kid? basketball. Yeah, Kevin Ware. Kevin Ware. No, I watched out. that. I watched that. I went yeah, on YouTube I and I watched it because I didn't know how bad it was. That That is the worst injury I've ever seen in my life. Dude, it was bad. Like, disgusting. Yeah. Disgusting. Ugh. <laughs> I'm just like. Fuck, man. I hate injuries, bro. Just fuck. Yeah, that's a bad one. <laughs> all right. But all in all, like, kind of a a generally uneventful trade deadline as far as big names but yeah like you just heard us mention a lot of uh needle moving stuff for contenders and stuff that is gonna swing games in the postseason i agree guys i was kind of surprised you know who i was really surprised didn't get traded was Dejounte murray i i really did you hear kind of what's going on now Uh, like what do you mean him and trey are they beefing it's like um no just with the trades there's a uh, like a rumor like around a, a lot of other team executives that's gaining traction that the reason they didn't trade murray is because they're more interested in keeping murray and trading trey in the offseason does that mean trade to the lakers does that I mean they're gonna make I an offer? trade a gang makes it i think to it, LA? i think that the top two teams that would be looking to acquire him would be the lakers and the spurs 
I think Trey on the Spurs would probably be the sexiest thing in a long time. Him and Wemby. Jesus I think Popovich, Popovich would have moments where he wants to rip Trey Young's head off. He's like, <laughs> you fucking, you little midget, you, you lollipop with the carpet hair on it. That's what he looks like. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna pass to Wemby. I can imagine <laughs> it right now. But let's uh. We get we get on traits. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, let's get to the uh, spin cycle. Yeah. This week yeah. we had the Houston Rockets, as we mentioned, and we we are continuing our bad luck. As every team that, that we watch, man, I feel like they lose a majority of their games. Um. We had. We got them last week. In that time, in, the, in, in these past seven, eight days, they had a 21-point loss to the top team in the West, the Minnesota Timberwolves. They lost an absolute heartbreaker in Indiana that they were up most of the game. They sh- definitely should have won that game. Um, great first half from Jabari in that one. He had 20 points in the first half, and then he didn't score again. They didn't even pass him the ball. I do not understand this team sometimes with Jabari. Um, and then another one. Uh, against the Rockets, where came down to the last shot, they ended up losing by three. Um, couldn't convert on the buzzer beater three from Jeff Green, and then uh, just just a normal old loss to the Atlanta Hawks, mm-hmm. who've been playing good basketball. I kind of kind of hoping we get the Hawks sometime soon in the spin cycle while they're playing while they're playing well. Um, and then today, uh, didn't didn't watch the game. Can I watch the highlights later? Um, but the Rockets did get a win over the New York Knicks, 105-103. So they did snap their four-game losing streak over the course of the time that we had them. Um, And kind of zooming out to kind of give more context, they've lost like 11 of their last 16 games. This was a team that was surprising everyone to start the year. You know, Shangun balling out, uh, Ime Udoka coming in and getting them right defensively, and they were just cruising. I think they were like firmly in like the fifth or sixth spot. 20 game, 20, 25 games into the season. And they've kind of regressed quite a, regressed quite a bit, unfortunately. Um, but what is what is your main takeaway when you watch this Rockets team? Um I think Van Fleet is is he's actually he's, yeah, I should mention he's he's been out this whole time. We've been yeah, watching him. It matters when he's on the floor. Like I don't, I I guess what you know what's kind of funny because obviously Van Vliet is a lot younger, um, championship proven, but his effect is very much like Mike Conley is. That's like that's a really good comparison. That's how I feel when Fred's there. It's like it settles everyone down a little bit, and I also think Van Vliet gives Sengun a lot of confidence on the floor, um, like. I'm I'm not saying that Sengun hasn't been playing great, but there's times where I feel like he's not aggressive when he doesn't have like another veteran, like someone he can trust, like Van Vliet, to like make decisions if he can't create off like the initial play that he's trying to run. And I mean, one of the biggest bright spots other than that is uh Cam Whitmore, like what the fuck? Like we talked about him. Hey, we we called that. Dude, Me we and you did called that in the we draft. called that. When the Lakers passed up on him, I was like, Yep, that's it. 
That's it. He's going to go so to a dumb. team and he's going to fucking pick Jalen Hood Shafino, who has played maybe four minutes all season. Yeah. Fucking hell, man. Like, dude, he's. It's so crazy because there's like all these young players, and I still wonder about what the hierarchy is going to be because there's a lot of like forward position tweeners right now on the Houston that like everyone's kind of feeding for minutes right now. Obviously you give Dylan Brooks the starting position because Cam's not exactly like the greatest defender, even though to be honest, he can move his feet laterally pretty well for his yeah, size. It's, it's more, it's a more basketball IQ on that. Right now. Mm-hmm. It's not for lack yeah. of trying or athleticism. Yeah. Right? It's because he's young and he's like every single rookie is just going to have stupid defensive moments. We all see that. Um, but like what I just kind of am super confused about right is like i'm really surprised that like that like like Eamon thompson's finally like getting more of a shot but then like then it's what's the hierarchy with tari eason because i really like tari eason i know he's been injured but when tari's in the game he looks fucking hot you know and uh, he just looks like an all-around fucking forward, and I'm I'm happy for Houston, but there's a lot of questions needed to be asked because I also think too that up to this point, I think you were talking about it. You were like, I don't know if Jalen's the guy anymore with everything that's kind of going on because, like, if you took Jalen out of the game and you gave that position to like Cam Whitmore or Tari, or Eamon Thompson, I don't think there would be a huge regression in the Houston Rockets offense at all, which is like really sad for me to say. Um, being a Jalen Green fan, uh, I genuinely think that they're better off when he's not playing at times. Agreed. Uh, and that's kind of my biggest takeaway watching them. I was like, Holy shit, sometimes Jalen, he'll have his moments where he looks like a fucking animal though, you know? And then there's other moments where he looks like a deer in headlight, both offense and defensively. Um, I just don't know if it's going to catch up because the timetable's really accelerated for Houston a little bit. Because Sangoon's ready. Uh, I, I don't have too much to say about Jabari yet. Like you said, they weren't feeding him that much during the times that we were watching him. but. Dude, it's 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 maddening, man. It's sometimes because you know I'm kind of I'm a Jabari Homer. Like mm-hmm. he was my guy in that draft, and it's really frustrating because obviously his rookie year was Steven Silas. Like they even admitted it, right? Like they didn't even run plays. Run for plays him. for him. Yeah, you don't run plays for your top pick. Like that's just idiotic, right? You get that coaching staff out, and he does get actions run for him uh, with Udoka and his staff. But it just, it almost feels like either he takes himself out of the game somehow, like with his lack of assertiveness, or like like you're saying, like Jalen Green only gets a few shots in the first half, and then he's like, it's my time. I'm going to score these buckets, right. you know? Or they kind of force feed Sengun a little bit, right? They force There's him a like, lot. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, There's just like, a lot of moments that scream immaturity with the group still. Right. It's not, it's not as nearly as bad as where it was the last couple of seasons where I think you mentioned they're like a glorified AAU team. Right. They were, um, but 
I just think, I just think that, uh, they need to find ways. I think you know, I'm, I'm struggling for how I want to say this because I don't want to discount. I think Sangoon's the guy. Yeah, he is. He is. Right? Like, no, no, I'm right there with you. 100%. Yeah. He, 100%. He's the guy. He's going to be the, the star of this team. He's yep. going to be the number one option offensively going forward, and he should be. Yeah. But I don't really see any reason that Jabari should be getting less than 15 shots a game. Yeah. You know, and let's see. Right now, he's getting 10. Yeah. Like, he's basically putting up identical stats to what he did uh, his rookie year. Way more efficient, right? He's up to 37% from three, shooting 46, 47% from the field, um, as opposed to 40 and 30. He had a really bad rookie year. Yeah. Um, so I just... I want to see them use their top pick a little bit more from last year. Like, and if that, if that means you need to move a Jalen green in the off season for more role guys so that you can build this thing around Van Vliet, Jabari and Sengun, then you go do that. I think right. because it's starting to get to the point, like you said, where he's him being Jalen green is, a negative when he's on the court. Yeah. And he's going to have his highlights. You know, he's going to make amazing plays. He's, he's a good player. I just think like really similar to how I was talking about, uh, Anthony Simons or like a Cam Thomas or all these guys. Jalen green kind of strikes me as like an empty stats kind of guy. Yeah. Like I, it, yeah, he's, no, he just no, kind of soaks up the shots available forces some stuff and like wants to get his 20 points. And, you know what sucks too is like Jalen's so athletic and he, he, surprisingly he has an amazing handle. I've always thought like if he would lean a little bit more into creating for others because of how quick he is, like that could completely like change a lot for his career and even what the Houston Rockets could do like Obviously, you already have your two kind of like primary creators in both Van Fleet and Sangoon, right? But like, if Jalen Green was able to just even like set up because he's so good at driving downhill, going to the basket, like, could you imagine how many like wide open kicks for Jabari would be open? Or like, you know, if Van Fleet spotted up and there's an off ball screen and there's a curl, like, Jalen has the ability to actually like get in position to create yeah. something. It's just he hasn't developed an appetite for that because this it goes Makes back it even to, more frustrating when you're watching. Yeah, because it's AAU mentality, right? Like when he came in, he they were like, take as many shots as you fucking want. It doesn't matter if it's a bad shot. Just take as many shots. And that's just turned into his diet. And it's like, I was really thinking Udoka could kind of like unlock a true combo guard out of Jalen. And you have Fred kind of teaching him the little things, you know? But I just don't know if that is going to register here. Yeah. You know, I'm with you. And the other thing that's frustrating, right? Is it, it's a work in progress, right? Yudoka's has coached this team for about 50 games. It's his first year with the group. So I don't want to like put like these gaudy expectations as, and it is a young team, but like, I don't know. I just, I would have hoped that Jalen green would have been more, would be more of a plus on the defensive end. Too. Mm -hmm. like he has improved i'm not gonna say he hasn't improved he's not like just kind of standing around 
getting backdoor cut all the time now. Um, and his defensive box plus minus has improved by about two points, which is nice. Like he was a negative two, 2.5 first couple of years of his career. And now he's about a negative one, negative 0.8 to be specific. So he's improved, but he's still also a negative offensively. Like, yeah. I just think like, I don't want to just like read it on paper and not trust my eyes. Right. But when I, when I see guys that are a negative, both offensive box plus minus and defensive box plus minus, I'm like, that guy can't be the guy on your team yeah. in the current state. Like you're just proving that you don't add enough value on either, either end. end of the floor to be on the floor. Yeah. Cause yeah. you take a Jabari, for example, like he, He's currently still a negative box plus minus offensively, but he's gotten his defensive plus minus up. So he's a, he's a positive on that end. And his value over a replacement player is positive, which is not something you can say about Jalen Green. right? And I do think a lot of that is attributed to Van Vliet getting him involved, and they're actually running actions for him. But yeah, just there's something about this team offensively that is like not quite right. As far as like the chemistry, you know what I mean? No, I agree. It also feels like sometimes both Jabari and Jalen sulk when Sangoon's getting a lot of shots. Mm. That's something I noticed just like when, when he gets like three straight paint touches and they don't really touch the ball on offense, their defense kind of goes a little bit. They get a little more disengaged from the game. Right. So, I just want to see more of a balance while still featuring Sengun, right? Yeah. And that's why taking Jalen Green out of the question, so it's just Jabari out there when it comes to those kind of shot diet, and you just kind of disperse those shots amongst everybody too. And I mean, surprisingly, dude, Dylan Brooks is playing pretty fucking nice. Um, dude, he's been really well. The only bad playing- game he played was the fucking game that I picked for fantasy. So fuck oh. him. <laughs> Fuck him. Yeah, but dude, over his last 10, 14 and a half, you know, um, 39% from three, almost 90% from the line, you know, three rebounds, two assists. He's he's been straight up good. He's been good, man. It's really helped, uh, I think, Houston at least have a little bit more of like, you know, obviously he's an enforcer and like it's good to have someone like that on a young team when you're trying to figure out like your defensive identity. So I remember when the signing happened and we were all kind of like, okay, here we go. The Dylan Brooks show, whatever the fuck. But he's actually proven himself, dude. And um, I I won't say I'm happy for the guy. I still think he's a dick, but at least, at least he's found a home. Yeah. Right. No, definitely. Like, yeah. And I, I think that he'll be, very much worth the contract he signed over the next few years, if not, if not more worth it. You know, more than. Worth Do you it. remember how much he signed for? It was ninety. Yeah, I think it was like four of four ninety ninety five. It was like something. a big number for him. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. But no, uh, I like it. I, I I like what he's he's been providing. And the other thing I just want to I want to mention mm. is Jabari Smith's mid post game is absolutely silky. Just had to throw that out there. It is. <sighs> So so nice. People I've never forget, seen him miss a turnaround. I've never forget, seen him miss a turnaround jumper. People forget he's fucking six eleven, and like I am just waiting for him to use his size a little bit more. Like truly, 
Because there's yeah, not he, many he people. He lacks confidence with it sometimes on the offensive end. I, I he, almost he's, yeah. he's already a shot blocker, already a room yeah. protector. Yeah. Like, he has that. He needs to bulk up a little bit still. Because he's, yeah. he's, he's the reason that they're able to play Sengun in that role in the same way. It, it's the exact same thing that Aaron Gordon provides Nikola Jokic. Right. On the defensive end. That versatility, right. while still having the length and room protection, allows you to play the scheme that they do. And they are and, the fifth, they're the fifth team, fifth ranked team in defensive rating right now, which is yeah. surprising for me to see. Yeah. And it's crazy because like it's not just like rim protection. Like Jabari will run you out on the perimeter too. It's pretty nice, dude. It's it's like, you know, like you, we were talking about it. Like he mm-hmm. what he can become is one of the best defenders in the league. Yeah. My my I'll, I'll, just to close the Jabari thought, my only concern with him is that he's like forever gonna be a three dribble guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he doesn't have the greatest handle. He does once not. he gets to that fourth dribble, if he is not putting the shot up, it's it's most likely gonna be a turnover. <laughs> right. <laughs> or a rush shot or just something right. off balance, right? See, but so what we're hoping for what we're hoping for offensively is he's he's more than like a Michael Porter. You know what I mean? Like well, dude, I think he I think at the in 5 years from now, he can be what Chris Bosh was for the Heat. That's like what oh, I see. Yeah. That's what I see for Jabari. On that steroids, like hopefully. Wiry strength, rim protector, stretch the floor, can play center if you need him to. Like all that stuff. I I hope that's what he becomes. Right. Man, if he had the confidence that Chris Bosch had in Toronto, though, oh my God, he'd be destroying the league right now, dude. Know, Chris Bosch went crazy in Toronto, dude. Oh my goodness. So yeah. I just think they got a lot of good pieces. They do. I let's let me ask you a question. Mm. They currently sit twelfth in the West. I think they're twenty. They just moved to twenty four and twenty nine. Yeah, I think with the win today. Yep. Um. Probably like let me check, let me just pull it up so I'm not guessing. Let me pull up the standings here. Um, they are three games behind the Warriors for the play-in spot. In right. the play-in right now, it, it it's there's it's some really good teams. The Kings are in seventh. The Mavericks are in eighth. The Lakers are in ninth, and the Warriors are in tenth. The Jazz sit in eleventh, and they're also having a a pretty decent fifteen-game run here. Yeah. Um, do you see a world where the Rockets get into the tenth spot, or is that far fetched this season? I don't know. Well, I mean, Golden State's been playing let me, let pretty me re- nice. Let me, re- let me rephrase it. Let me rephrase it. Um, do you see a world where we get to the last seven, eight games of the season, and they're right, like they're right there, and it's legitimately possible? Yeah, I do. I do. That's okay. very, very much a possibility. If Van Fleet comes back and he stays healthy for the remainder of the season, there is a very, very good chance that they could be right there. It's you're obviously we're asking a lot, right? Because I mean, Golden State's kind of been on a tear right now. You can never discount the Lakers, and the fact that Dallas is eighth and they're looking this good is is pretty fucking scary. But yeah, and there and there's a really big gap between eighth and. Nine and ten. That, like, yeah. That's a three game gap in and of itself. Yeah, exactly. The fifth seed to the eighth seed is one game. 
and then there's a three game gap between the Lakers and the Warriors and the right. Mavs. So it'll be tough. I I hate I always hate to bring it up, but I w- I do think it it would take an injury to it would. to one of the Mavs, Lakers, or Warriors like key guys. Yeah, for them to jump up. Yeah. And I, and like actually make it in. I do think they'll be right there. I do think they'll finish above the Jazz, for what it's worth. Yeah. Also, very surprised that the Jazz were not. Oh, what am I talking about? It's fucking Danny Ainge. Of course, he's gonna ask for the fucking. He's gonna ask Trader for Danny. <laughs> he's gonna ask for the world and some whipped cream on top. Fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Should have traded Markinen, dude. Don't forget the cherry. Don't forget the cherry, dude. <laughs> fucking Danny, dude. Danny. Danny. What a man. But yeah, dude. Shout out to Houston, man. It was yeah. it was cool. They're I will say, dude, they're they're like a really fun watch. They dude. are. Like they gun it up and down the floor. Sang Sangoon is awesome to watch. Like he's kind his, of funny. His, his bag is deep as fuck. And <laughs> it's goofy, dude. The way he kind of plays is goofy, dude. The one legged shot from the mid range is just it's, it's really like baby Dirk. A lot of the stuff is really it's Jokic-esque. like Jokic, Dirk, and you're like, yeah, no wonder that was your favorite player. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean? Like Im- you know, imitations the best form of flattery, right? And like you could see it. Like he's not as big as Yoke, but like. He's a baby version of it. And I don't think we can, I don't think that's like a diss on him or anything. Like until he gets to the all-star peak that we do see happening, like he's going to make multiple all-star teams. Like no, here, one last question for you about Sangun, because I do think he's, he's kind of cementing himself. Like we mentioned Jokic. She's like in that like kind of style of play as a big man, like Jokic is the pinnacle Right. I think Sabonis is right there on the next tier. Right. And you kind of have Sangoon who's down here, like ushering yeah. into that tier with Sabonis. Right. Do you think when we talk about like prime Sangoon five, six years from now, is that a MVP or is that more of a Sabonis type player? You know, all star appearances. I think it's all star appearances. Focal point of an offense. Yeah. I, okay. I, 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 I can't. I because uh, no, like I was, a, it was a loaded question. No, 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 no. But I, I get what you mean though, because I mean, you see flashes where he's like the best player, and it's on like on the court, either team. Yeah, and he, uh, one thing I like about Shengun, and like for young players, it's always a thing where I guess I trust centers a little bit because they're so physical. You know, Shengun's a physical player. He likes it. He, he likes it when you're roughing him up. He likes he likes like elbowing you. He likes he likes the contact. He absorbs contact like really well too. Like a sponge, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's just a spin off. Like it's so it's it so quick. his body and just kind of takes yeah. it. Like like I think in order for him to like step into that realm of possible MVP contention. Cause we have to think in about five years, like Jokic probably going to be kind of out of his prime and be too, right? Like the, yeah. the big, I mean, all the guys, all the guys in the MVP conversation will be firmly out of it at that point. And, and so the biggest thing would be for Shengun is like, in order for him to be MVP, I think, I think you need to start seeing like triple double watch and he needs to be at least slightly more serviceable as a rim protector if he's going to play in the like you know he's shorter i don't know how it's going to really work but i'm sure that as he grows and gets a little bigger it's just going to be harder for teams to be able to go at him with other bigs yeah and and to be honest like he's already there 
in terms of a triple double threat every night. Like he, if he averaged two more assists, he'd be putting up Sabonis numbers right now. Yeah, you know he averages twenty one nine and five. It's dude, ridiculous. He's so young, dude. It's Third so season. unfair, dude. He's twenty one. It's not and fair. I kind of think he should be getting a lot more like recognition for a possible most improved player. Like I, th- oh. I know, like the, it's it's kind of like a a done thing with like Tyrese Max. I don't know if it's gonna be Tyrese Maxey, right? Um, a few other guys in the conversation, right? But I I think his name's just got to be in there. Like he he's bumped it up seven point seven more points per game than he did in last year. Right. He is improved defensively. Um, and did you ever watch his um? podcast uh, when he was the guest on paul george's podcast oh dude it was amazing i love his accent it's I do so love funny his accent. it's amazing like oscar yeah <laughs> turkish, dude, boy. turkish boy <laughs> <laughs> um turkey turkey yeah. <laughs> Fucking crazy. Um, but uh one thing he mentioned on there was that he was known as a rim protector when he played in the euro league right and he wants to get back to that and I like that's something I like to hear. I like to hear right. from a player like that because I I think he will with the desire, you know. Right. He doesn't I mean, lack for size. He doesn't lack for strength. It's just doing it at this point. Right. Because I imagine he's gassed too. Like he's playing the most minutes probably of his whole basketball career, and he's the focal point of the offense now, especially with Van Vliet out. Like he's the main playmaker a lot of the time. Um. So I get it. He's probably gassed, but I, I would like to see him emerge more on that end. It, it'll be dependent. And I think it's going to go hand in hand with Jabari. Like you were saying, like eventually there'll be times where he plays a small ball five, but if they're both on the floor together and then you have like what a Dylan Brooks too, just the yeah. defensive chemistry, it's easier to be a good rim protector. If you have better defenders around you, True, because you funnel them. It's the perfect place to funnel them. It's easy to stop. Right. Like that's why Gobert is like having one of his better seasons, if not one of his best defensive seasons, is because he has capable defenders all around him. It makes his job easier. Mm-hmm. When that happens, I I truly believe Shangun can take it to the next level on defense, dude. Uh, that's it. I mean, he's a bad man. That's a bad man. Yeah. I'm, he'll make a lot of all star games oh, in yeah. his career. Mama, there <laughs> goes that man. Ugh. <laughs> Is that Mark Jackson in the room with me? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking crazy. I, saw, I watched a Mark Jackson compilation the other day. That guy is on something. On something. <laughs> I thought all you were going to say as a player. <laughs> oh, I was going to say as a commentator. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. no, as a player, we all know what he did in Indiana. But like, nah, he's, he's on one when he's color commentary at his finest. <laughs> all right, man. That that closes out our uh, our week with the Houston Rockets. Is it time to hit mm. this wheel? Yeah, yeah. Let's spinning. do this. It is spinning. It is currently spinning. Put him in a spin cycle. Oh, uh, this will be fun. We oh. got him at a good time. Ooh, Golden State Warriors. You saw that and shot he hit the other day. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, oh. With God. this too, because All Star break is coming up, so. We can we'll kind of get the rest of this week. Let's just include next week too. Let's let's have that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. We got the Golden State Warriors. Let's see. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 
17 teams left. We've done 13 teams now. Or Golden State will be our 13th team. We've got 17 left. This will take us, I think, all the way into draft season, if I'm not mistaken, or all the way, all the way to the finals, at least. I don't know what we're going to do if we get a team that's not in the playoffs when the playoffs are on. And I will say this. Over the last eight games, they've only lost once, and it was an overtime to Atlanta. So, I mean, Golden State's on a... Yeah, they're on a tear. I heard heard Bill Simmons mention that in their last four or five games, they're number one in offense and number four in defense. So, I mean, we're really catching them at a good time. Oh, fuck yeah, we are. All right, man. And we were predicting their downfall just two months ago. I, so I was talking we'll, a lot of yeah, shit. Maybe I was we'll, talking we'll a lot crow. of shit. We'll eat crow on that probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that'll do it for uh, episode 56. That was the quickest hour and 12 minutes of my life. That actually flew by. Yeah, that was super fun. Um, and yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Peace out. Cheers. Peace.